Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Rich, if we are yet to meet. And a big thanks to Key for reading our passage. We are going to be pretty much exploring that passage and particularly the detail of a couple of crucial verses in it for the whole of this term as a church, right the way through till Christmas. But in terms of today, what I want to do is zoom out and give us a bit of an introduction to this series so that we know what we're doing and probably more importantly, we know why we're doing it so that we can get the most out of it as possible over the coming term. But let me begin by introducing you to some friends of mine. These uh, people that I'm going to speak about uh, were initially strangers to me and one another, but through a series of traumatic events that we went through together over several years, they became actually the defining relationships of my teenage years. They go by the names of Kate, Jack, Sawyer, Michael, Hurley, Walt, uh, Claire, and a strange little group of them that we used to call the Others. Uh, If you don't know what I'm speaking about, I am speaking about the lead characters of the initially quite promising, but ultimately gut-wrenchingly disappointing marathon TV show, Lost. Uh, It's on Amazon Prime now, but I give you this little life hack. Don't bother, you'll lose so much of your life. Uh, Lost, if you don't know, is the story of a group of strangers who crash in their aeroplane on an island in the South Pacific. We join them uh, on episode one as they regain consciousness on the beach with the plane on fire and noise and shouting and terror and chaos all around them. We see with them their fight to survive, the, the bonds that they forge together. And most chillingly of all, we experience with them their slowly dawning realisation that they are going to be stuck there for a very, very long time because no one is coming to rescue them. And then, of course, there's a lot of random stuff with a black smoke monster, a Scottish man in a hole in the ground called Desmond, and like any good narrative, a giant polar bear, like all good stories include. But then one day, after a very, very, very long time, and I mean most of my high school, Uh, experience. They at last make contact with the outside world. And as the walkie-talkie that they've been trying to fix for years uh, crackles and they hear a voice from afar coming over the airways, the people who had been trapped, had been stuck, had been stranded or in their language had been lost, realise that at last they might actually be found after all. That they may taste freedom again. And without spoiling it, uh, as it turns out, six of them initially are rescued. And as they return to the real world in an aeroplane not dissimilar to the one that crashed at at the, the start of the whole story, it's a very emotional scene as the plane circles the airport and then begins to land and the ramp opens as they step out to return to their loved ones and to their normal lives. And as they do that, and as we walk that experience with them through that series, they and we, the viewer, are faced with a very important question. It's this. Now that they are free, how will they use their new found freedom? 
See, they've sat there and they've thought about it. They've talked about it. They've dreamt about it. They've driven themselves insane longing for it. But now they have it and they are free. But the question is, how are they going to use it? And they basically go between them roughly one of two ways. Some of them, after the crisis, learn to live lives of love in their new world. For example, one seeks to quietly repair relationships that they destroyed before the crash. One visits family members of the others on the plane to comfort them. But some of them go the other way and they use their freedom very differently to give in essentially to their worst instincts. One pours themselves into this garish extravagance, becoming a a caricature, a, a joke, a famous wealthy embarrassment. One enacts cold revenge on those who wronged them in the past and another still tragically but uh, sort of painfully predictably just tragically replicates the mistakes of his father by uh, hitting the bottle and the pills and descending into a spiral. You see it's all very good wanting to be free, it's all very good being free but the real question is how are we going to use our freedom and that If you're worried that we're just thinking about Rich's favourite TV shows, that is the question we're going to be exploring this term. How do we use our freedom? Now that's relevant for us in at least three ways, I think. Firstly, the little chestnut called COVID. I don't know about you, but in March 2020, it felt to me like the plane of my life fell out of the air and when I came to uh, there was noise and chaos and terror all around me and I had to fight to survive and I had to forge new bonds that were going to get me through and I had to come slowly to terms with the haunting realization that we were going to be there a very very long time and no one was coming to save us and I didn't even get to have the Scottish guy called Desmond because we weren't allowed to talk to each other which was a real shame but now after all that uh Our plane, in some sense, has been circling and in some sense has now landed us back into our normal lives. Now, I know know COVID's not over. It's important that we remember that. Um, But you've got to go with me on this, that, that our lives after the pandemic are not now so much a hypothetical thing to discuss in a breakout room on Zoom. They are actually here to be lived today. And so the question is, How are we going to use this newfound freedom? It's relevant for others of us watching because we're at uni and it's been amazing as we've gathered at King Edwards to have so many of our students return and so many new faces as well. But what is uni if it isn't a step into freedom? You know, you leave behind the chains of home and of of parents perhaps and now you can do what you want. But of course the question that you've got to grapple with, whatever your uh, religious Uh, opinions is how are you going to use that freedom that you've got well actually bigger than covid and uni every single follower of jesus watching this needs to grapple with this question because we as the people of jesus are a free people And Galatians, this uh, letter that we've had a chunk of it read to us and that we're going to be exploring a few verses of for the whole term, is a freedom letter. It's the Apostle Paul's freedom manifesto. And for four and a half chapters, he's basically been banging one drum and it's the drum called 
freedom. He's saying, you are free. Do you remember that you're free? Can I tell you again that you're free? Don't forget that you're free. Don't forget that it's important to be reminded that you're free. Can I remind you not to forget that you're free? So chapter two, verse four, the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. Chapter three, verse 22, God's promise of freedom. Five, verse one, Christ has truly set us free. And at the start of our passage today, verse 13, you have been called to live in, what does it say? Freedom. Now, freedom from what, though? Because it's not freedom from a pandemic or from uh, an island. It, it, what is it? Well, basically, if you read Galatians, it becomes clear that there were these vicious, snarling, predatory, false teachers snarling around the church. Paul later calls them wolves or like dogs. And uh, they are saying to the Christians that in order for you to be really loved by God, really accepted by God, really a child of God, you need to keep every single jot and tittle of the Jewish law perfectly. So you need to get yourself circumcised, chaps. Sorry about that one. And you also need to keep all of the perfect uh, kosher food laws and all the rest of it if you really want to be God's child. And as you can imagine, if you've ever read the uh, the beautiful uh, Jewish Torah, which is included in the Christian scriptures as well. And if you have any modicum of self-awareness in you at all, you'll know that trying to live up to all of that perfectly is really actually impossible. It's not impossible because the laws are broken. No, the laws are beautiful. This beautiful vision of love for God, love for neighbour, love for the creation. But it's impossible not because the laws are broken, but because we are broken. Okay, we can't do it. I can't. Whether it's the Jewish laws of the Old Testament or just the standards that you've got for yourself to live up to that you think you should live up to or that you've created for yourself this particular week. We can't do it. And in and of ourselves, we, we just can't. And you know what? That's not like me being naughty and saying that the, 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 the Jewish law was bad, one of the major intentions of God giving the law in the first place was to reveal to us that we can't do it and we need him. It was to show us that we are broken and, and, and messed up in a whole load of ways that we can't keep it. And so actually we need to cry out to God and say, I need a saviour. But now these vicious, horrible, false teacher wolves are yapping at the church saying followers of Jesus need to get all of that stuff right if you really want to be accepted. And Paul calls it out firmly, like regulations, really firmly for what it is. It's an enslaving prison. And so for verse after verse, he then gets to work reminding the Galatians how people then and now really get accepted by God. Let's look at a few of them. Chapter 2 verse 16. We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. 2 verse 21. If keeping the law could make us right with God, there'd be no need for Christ to die, right? Like that was his job to make us right with God. He went to the cross to do it. And if you're saying you can do it by just keeping the law super easily, then you're saying he didn't have to die and he got it wrong. And you shouldn't say Jesus got it wrong because Jesus is the son of God and Jesus gets it right. 
3 verse 11, it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. 3 verse 22, the scriptures declare that we're all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. 3.26, you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 5 verse 1, Christ has truly set us free. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. He's saying that they and we who are broken, unable to keep our own standards, let alone God's, actually do not need to in order to be accepted by the creator of the universe as his beloved children because Jesus Christ did it for us and he lived this perfect life he perfectly fulfilled the law he perfectly kept it he perfectly loved God loved neighbor loved the creation and he went to the cross and died a horrific cursed death so that we who have failed to live up to it and have failed today to live up to it can instead be accepted as pure and loved and cherished and chosen and holy and blameless children of God as if we were Jesus himself there's this substitution on the cross and he takes our sin and we get his perfect holy righteousness he did it and through looking to him like the law was always meant to make us do and simply saying I need you then we are accepted we have Jesus is father as our father. We are free. We get to our question then, don't we? How do we use that freedom? Verse 13 in our passage today, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but, but. He's saying, yes, we're off the island. Yes, we're free in Christ. But just think carefully about how you're going to use that freedom. And in Galatians, I think Paul basically gives three ways that people tend to respond to the freedom that they have in Christ. And two of them are really instinctive, but absolutely soul destroying. And one of them is surprising, counterintuitive, really puzzling at times, but is life giving to us. And I want to look at those three before we're done. The first is the way of the flesh. And this is what Paul warns about in our passage. It basically could be summarised as doing whatever you particularly feel like you want to in your sinful nature. That's just like your worst self, the, the urges that come to all of us lots of the time, whether we're Christian or not. And, and just going with that and doing whatever you particularly want to do. You know, that classic argument of God saved me regardless of what I've done. And so... Result, I can just go off and do whatever I want and that'll be fine, even though it's completely out of sync with the God who died on the cross to save us from all of that. And Paul says, don't fall for that. Don't go the way of the flesh. Verse 13, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Verse 17, because the sinful nature wants you to do evil. And verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And then there's this list of stuff that's not only dishonouring to God, though of course it is when I fall into these things and, and I'm drawn into these things. It's dishonouring to God, but it's also destructive to those around me. And perhaps this is selfish to say, but, you know, one of the main factors in it is that it's just like drinking salt water for me. 
I think it's going to quench my thirst and it leaves me more thirsty than ever. It's things like sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And just to say that word there, wild parties, just check it out in another translation. Uh, it's a little bit more of a vivid uh, perhaps more specific type of party that's being warned against here. I don't think the Bible is down on parties because Jesus was the friend of sinners who threw the best parties and went to a load of them. And the new creation is going to be a pretty wild party in my view. But there is a specific type of wild party that this is referring to that the ESV translation really makes clear. And you do want to avoid those. But, but Paul, having listed this stuff, he, he's saying reject that way. Uh, don't use your freedom to live out the way of the flesh. But here's the thing that people then assume. They assume the only other option is to go for this, the way of the law. And this is where we go, goodness me, I'm not a bad egg like those people. I'm going to be a zealous, clean, those radical Christians. So I'm going to keep all the rules and I'm going to do it in my own strength. And I'm going to make a few extra rules, in fact, that I'm going to keep because then I can feel smug about that as well. And I can look down on people who don't keep those. And even though they're not in the Bible, those rules, I'm going to be pretty militant about them because then, you know, I'm going to feel pretty great. And Paul is like, oh, my goodness, we've talked about this. It's not about obligation to the law. 3 verse 3, how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? He's exasperated because he knows how destructive this is. Because in the way of the law, when you do well, you're really smug. And when you fail, you're really crushed. And of course, what happens when you feel really crushed and like a failure? Well, you need comfort. And where do you go for comfort? You go to the way of the flesh. <laughs> and then we're back to square one, aren't we? And anybody know that cycle? So what are we to do? It's not the way of the flesh and it's not the way of the law. My friends, thank God for a third way. And it's called the way of the spirit. How do we live as free people? Well, verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. We have as Christians now to guide our morality, to, to, to shape our ethics, to, to kind of dictate how we live in the world. Not merely now an external code somewhere out there called the law, but now an internal person, the presence of God indwelling us to guide us, lead us, prompt us, shape us, mould us, to change us from the inside out, the creative power that birthed the universe now in us, remaking us more and more into the image of God. And the way of the spirit is the antidote to, to both of those false other ways of living. It's the antidote to the way of the flesh Verse 16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. But it's also the antidote to the cold obligation of the law. Verse 18, when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. It's a third way, a better way, a fresh air for the soul way to live. Rejecting the unholiness and compromise of the way of the flesh, but rejecting the obligation and coldness and inevitable exhaustion and smugness 
slash crushedness of trying to live up to the law in our own efforts. And instead our lives become full of what Paul calls and what we're going to explore for a whole term, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Verse 22, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Beautiful characteristics that are really the, the summing up of what the law was always about anyway. But now instead of obligation, it's an organic internal transformation as God himself comes to make us more and more into the people we were made to be. And don't you want that? Don't you think that sounds like freedom? I think it does. Well, small application. Come back next week and the remaining weeks of this term as we learn together what this fruitful life can look like. But big application. Let your lives be full of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, as this meeting wraps up in a few moments time, why don't you take a couple of minutes to invite him again into your day and to ask him to bring this sort of fruit in your life.